Welcome to Backyard Oasis, a podcast designed by and for older adults living in the beautiful Pioneer Valley of Western Massachusetts and produced in the tech studios at Greenfield Community College in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Backyard Oasis reaches out to older adults who seek knowledge to help them live more thoughtfully, healthily, and happily who hope to inspire others with their ideas and who serve their communities in the interest of the greater good. We hope you join us frequently in our pleasant backyard oasis for wide-ranging conversations with a diversity of people who are growing older and want to talk about it. Hello, Backyard Oasis listeners. This is Judy Raper, Associate Dean for Community Engagement, broadcasting from the Greenfield Community College podcast studio. We are back for part two of our series entitled Spilling the Tea, an intergenerational conversation about reality TV. I have with me Mackenzie Shanahan and Jessica Nabala. Mackenzie is my mom's grandma's, my mom's best friend's granddaughter mother of two, and works for her father's entertainment business. I grew up with her dad and her three aunts, so we're pretty connected. Mm -hmm. Um, And she is zooming in from Indiana. And Jessica Nabala is my longtime hairdresser, although now she's really more my colorist because her partner does the weekly haircuts. Jessica does my color. Jessica is also a mother of two and a proud reality TV buff. (laughs) So this is our second show. Um about this particular topic. And you really don't have to go back and listen to our first show to understand this second show. Um, Briefly, what we talked about last time was our own reality TV viewing habits, who are our favorite reality stars, whether or not we think reality TV shows are scripted, our own brushes with fame. Um, And so our goals today are sort of to catch up on what we've been watching since it's been a few months. We were were last together in August, and now it is early December. And um, we also just want to continue the conversation related to the cultural impact of reality TV on our lives. So this this show is not just catching up on one particular um, reality TV show. We talk about all the ones that we watch, but we also really like to talk about the intergenerational impacts of reality TV. So Mackenzie, let's start with you. What have you been watching? Okay, I am so glad you asked me that. I fell in the trap of Paris in love. Have you seen that? No. No. Paris Hilton? Yes. Okay, this is so good. This is so good. I know she has a baby. She has has two babies. Oh, two babies. Yep, yep. Okay, so I just stumbled upon it. I just needed something on in the background while I caught up on emails. And it started and I immediately was like, oh, no, I'm not listening to Paris Hilton. I always go back to remember her reality show with uh, Nicole Richie. Yes, yep. I do remember that. Yes. Remember, they traveled what in like a fake RV yes. and they <laughs> go to like neighborhoods like where I live and they would do normal human things. Remember that? Yes. Yep. Lionel Richie's and, daughter, right? Is it Nicole? Yes. Yes. Who? Okay. Yes. Okay, so I remember watching that reality show when I was probably too young to watch it. And I remember they wore uh, little skimpy outfits and they would do the normal human things. Okay, always kind of had a bad taste in my mouth with her. 
So then this came on the TV. And like I said, I was like, oh, no, I'm not watching this. I cannot support this. Well, then I got sucked in like how reality TV does. And I could not turn it off. Okay. So just a little background. She has recently come out about some trauma she has experienced in her life. Are you guys caught up on that? Yeah, kind of. I'm not surprised, but I'm not caught up. Yep. Yeah. So she basically came out with a book and just like a tell all, like she's trying to change laws to protect kids. Like she's doing really good real work um, to keep people safe in certain situations. So she very much is talking about it in this show, right? And then she has a baby by a surrogate, okay? And so they're, the TV, the production is following the whole thing and her family doesn't know about it, nothing. The only people who know are the producers, right? And so I felt so bad for her, for Paris Hilton. Are you guys shocked? <laughs> a little bit. Are you okay? Yes. You have a big okay. heart, though, Mackenzie. I that is right, honey. But in the article, we t- we were talking about how sometimes reality TV is not always the best for our mental health. We can sometimes compare ourselves to like when I used to watch Real Housewives. I used to watch them traveling on a jet and their diamond rings, and there would be a bit a part of me where I'd be like, "Wow, I wish I had a life where people are serving me my breakfast in bed." right? That's not my husband. And so like, I would be envious of them, right? But I I watched this reality show and I felt so bad for her. You know, the only clip I've seen, and I think this is from the reality show, Mackenzie, is where she admits to her friend that she's never changed a diaper when her baby's like, I don't know, a month or two old. So I was having trouble accessing compassion. Yeah. (laughs) So where does your, I guess your compassion for her come from at this point in the reality show why do you feel bad for her okay it's surprising compassion is what I'm gonna say it is very surprising (laughs) because she brings home this newborn to her McMansion and she walks into the nursery and there of course is a nanny that is going to stay up and do all the feedings changing literally all the diapers And she literally doesn't know how to hold the baby. And she has this camera crew all eyes on her. And you could tell she keeps like looking up at them like she's uncomfortable, but she knows she has to keep filming. And this compassion came to me because she doesn't realize what she's missing out on. Right. Like as a mom, Jessica, you know, like that newborn phase is the worst, but also the best because you're bonding with that your baby and you're learning your baby. And yes, you don't sleep and it can be really terrible, but it could also be really beautiful. And I felt bad for her because one, she didn't know what to do. Okay. She's being filmed. So I'm sure she was embarrassed. And two, because of her lifestyle, she is whisked away to like appearances and all sorts of things and she's like guys I just want to be with my baby but because she lives in this lifestyle that we now get to watch she's begging them to give her like two days off and they're like no you you have you committed blah 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 and so it just I just felt bad for her okay well I'm gonna say this Everybody knows whether you have a surrogate or you're going to deliver your own baby that you know that when the baby is going to be due, that why wouldn't she have planned for 
that time off, like she's entitled to have maternity leave like any other mom. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not really I, feeling I know, the compassion there. <laughs> and then also, if you would see it, and if also, you would see it, you would see it. Yeah, I mean, I I'm gonna tune in now because you're really you're I really think, selling I think it. I'm gonna have to try and watch it. And the only other okay. scene I saw, I just remember this, Mackenzie. The only other scene okay. I saw is when she let her mother know she had this baby, and her mother didn't even know she was having the baby. And she hands the baby to her mother, and I swear to God, that baby's fighting for its life. It's about to be dropped. Oh, so that scared well, yeah. me quite a bit. Because I don't think there are people that are around. Oh yeah, you, you're the grandma. You babysit, like you know what I mean. Well, right. I mean, but, I'm sure they were raised by nannies too. Right. Like me. exactly. Like <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. But okay, one more thing. Do you guys know Kathy Hilton from Real yeah, Housewives? Of course. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and you know how she comes off like charismatic and funny and goofy. Yes. Okay, and I loved her the season, her first season, guys. The reality is she is not kind and she has some hot mic moments that are real. And I was like, we have to talk about this on the podcast. Well, I think that that's good that you figure that out because I think there's all those, those back, back behind the scenes, like Lisa Rinna telling these stories about her and the things that she was saying. So it's nice to see some validity. Yeah. Yes, All right, exactly. we, we will we will absolutely, Mackenzie, before we come back together, Jessica and I will both check this out and see if either one of us can access compassion. I'm a pretty compassionate person, so I'm sure I can find a way. Um, but I will, what, what what network is this on before we move on to it's Jessica? It's on streaming on Peacock. Okay. Oh, Peacock. Yeah. I have Peacock now because Indiana's basketball is on Peacock. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Jessica, what have you been watching? Um. So Winter House just started on Bravo. Um. Mm-hmm. So that's been an interesting season because it's like, all different people from different Bravo shows that are on it now. Um, I'm not sure I'm loving, loving the crew that's there, but it's been interesting. So I'm going to keep tuning in. Um, I did watch the golden bachelor or or a good chunk of it. Um, That's out of my norm. I tried to watch something that is not in my usual routine. So, and we are going to talk about golden bachelor because we had, that was one of our, um, what do you call it? When you leave people hanging from the last show cliffhangers yeah. was what's going to happen yeah. with golden bachelor. So we will get to golden bachelor for sure. Yeah. And then it's pretty much just in the middle of like real housewives of Beverly Hills. So, you know, diving down into Kyle and Mauricio's. Oh yeah. See, I stopped watching the real housewives. Split. How are they? Um, I mean, I think this season's interesting. It's uh, Kyle has done like a complete 360 with her life. It's interesting. She's a 360 or a 180. No, well, maybe a 180, I guess. <laughs> A 360. She's sober. <laughs> she's into tattoos. Um, and yeah, and then there's issues. You can tell there's issues between her and Mo. And she brings on her new friend that's also been um on like oh yeah, I heard I heard about her. Yes, so is she sober as in she's in recovery or she just stopped drinking? She's choosing to be sober just for her own personal mental health, and she's been working out a lot, but her new friend is also sober, which I found that out in a most recent episode. So I thought that that was an interesting connection. And she also is covered in a lot of tattoos. So it's this new interesting friendship that's developed. I saw a clip where Mauricio was kind of implying that she wasn't allowed to get more tattoos or something. And she was making it clear that that was her body. And he didn't even know how many tattoos she had. Yeah. So that's a little red flag. Okay. That's also interesting because, and we, again, in the article, 
she's literally bettering herself. Okay. So she's mm-hmm. working out. She's not drinking her alcohol. She said she feels better than she ever has. But the viewers, like myself included, it's not the same Kyle Richards that I'm used to on the show who stirs the pot, who gets the drama going, who gets everyone talking. So as a viewer, it's like, ah. I miss the old days when you would fight at the dinner table. And now she wants to work out while they're on their vacation. Right. So as a viewer, it's like, I don't like it. She's not bringing but the drama. Her, yes. But for her, she's literally saying, but this is the healthiest I've ever been. You're mad at me because I'm working out. So it's that. Well, it doesn't like, make for good television. I mean, it well, right. But she also now is the person, the drama on the show, because everyone's trying to figure out what it's what's going on in her life. And she's not really sharing that much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But Jessica, how do you feel when she's sitting there with Sutton saying, say it, say it. What do you want to say? What do you want to say? Right. And it's like, you just say it then. Just say it. Right. Like what is really happening and give some validity to what everybody's assuming and feeling. Exactly. I think she, it's already out there. Yes. Oh, I think I know. (laughs) I have not watched that show since she was rude to Lisa Vanderpump when Lisa had just lost her brother. And Lisa was leaving Kyle's house and Kyle said, well, I've got things going on too. When Lisa's brother had literally just committed suicide. That's when I was kind of done. Not that Lisa's my favorite, but I thought she was treated very poorly. That's what Lisa wants you to feel. Oh, you have you turned on Lisa? Because last episode you you were all pro Lisa. Well, that's why you got to watch the reunion. You and Lisa have a feud. Listen, I I did feel bad for her. I absolutely felt bad for her. Uh, Any human with a heart and a brain would feel bad for her in that situation. But there were other events that were leading up to her getting put on the spot, and instead she. You know, I'm sure I watched the reunion. I just don't remember what, how that was, how that was um, resolved or not resolved. I just don't. That's what she wanted you to think, Judy. Yeah, I'm not. I think I said I don't think Lisa Vanderpump is a. You know, she's she's no Gandhi. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, well. Um, just just very briefly. So when we were last together, and I'm having trouble seeing you, Mackenzie. The way we're arranged at the table, so I can't keep turning my head like that. But, um. When we were last together, uh, Big Brother had just started, I think. Yes, it w- we were a couple weeks into Big Brother. Big Brother is my favorite reality show. Um, what I am super clear about is that because they have live feeds and because you can see everything that's going on, that is why it's my favorite show, for sure. Because I really want to know, like, I now understand how scripted these other shows are because I see everything that goes on. I see the way the editors then or the producers then shape the show. Um, but you have to be a, a really committed viewer to like hang out with the live feeds. Like you have to sort of make it your um, second job, to be honest with you. And because Big Brother this time was it started late, it started in August, it went through early November. It normally starts in June and ends in September. Mm-hmm. There was a hundred day show, um, which is the longest they've ever done. So I the second half of the show, I really lost interest in the live feeds, in part because a lot of my favorites were gone by that point in part because my other um, TV, you know, favorite is to watch sports. So college basketball was starting and the NFL was starting. And so it was competing with that. But Big Brother was really interesting this time in terms of the intergenerational conversation, because for the first time, they normally have like one quote unquote old person on there. And by old person, I mean someone over the age of 40, right? Um, This time they had two people over the age of 50, both really strong black women, 
who were mm-hmm. in the final five and they were mm-hmm. two of my absolute faves. And I don't think I just rooted for them because they were older. I think that, you know, they were people I really, I could have seen myself hanging out with in real life. Mm-hmm. So the, what was really beautiful about this season in the early part of it was the generations just sort of really melt, the, the difference in years melted away in terms of these relationships. Like the young people had deep respect for the older people. They, the older people participated in all the competitions and were competitive and so forth and so on. By the end, it was very much the young people hanging out in the head of household room, the older people on their own. So it kind of came down to that. The other thing I found really interesting this summer, and I guess I've noticed this before, but it was super profound this summer, was the difference between Twitter viewers and Facebook viewers. So I am, I straddle both worlds, but my preference is Twitter. And Mm -hmm. Twitter is the Twitter, the big brother Twitter fans are generally Generation Z. Um, More progressive in their politics, whereas Facebook is much older people more conservative in their politics. And so going back and forth and hearing what people had to say was fascinating because oh, sure. it, and, and every once in a while, somebody on Twitter would say something um, w- which would lead a Twitter person to say, did you just get lost? Go back to Facebook. <laughs> you know, so there's this real, division. Oh, no. but it was actually generational. It wasn't just about a preferred social media platform. It was older people versus younger people. Um, so that was really interesting. And I, you know, because I straddle both worlds, I was making comments on both sites, but I definitely more often aligned with the Twitter people. Mm-hmm. But every now and then I would get into a debate with a person on Twitter and I would think, oh my oh, God, am I arguing with a 12 year old? You did not yep. engage in the commenting wars you did. What? what did, did you, you engage? In com- did you engage in the commenting? Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes. <gasps> Sometimes don't you ever comment on reality television on social media? No, because then I feel like they just come for you. And then there's no, then, then what is the point? Well, generally speaking, I only comment when I agree every once in a while I might challenge someone, but sometimes I want to, like, I want people to see me stick up for someone. Like if somebody's making support. Yeah. So if somebody's making fun of someone and it's a, they have a mental health challenge or something, I want anyone who's on Twitter or on Facebook who has the same challenge to see somebody sticking up for them. Like, I think it's important to like, okay. I appreciate that. I thought you were saying you go against, and I was like, why go to someone, you know how I feel like it's also different with Instagram versus Twitter versus Facebook. Like my grandma can't, she doesn't really know what to do on the Instagram. Is she on Instagram? She tries every once in a while. I see her pop up. I'm like, oh no. When I get my phone and I see 28 notifications, it is Donna Martin, Donna Martin. It's like, don't like the whole album. Just give me one little like, but sorry, going back. Do you feel like with Twitter, it's because it's more intellectual, like with your words, whereas Facebook is more for sure. Yeah, I think I mean, I think there's a lot more, you know, when people are watching Big Brother and they're commenting on Facebook, they are what we call casuals which means they're not watching the live feeds. They don't have that level of investment. They're just watching the episodes, which the episodes are ridiculous. So the casuals have a very different conversation about the show. They're there for different reasons. Whereas the hardcore live feed watchers like myself, I think we are absolutely taking it more as a sociological, an experiment that we want to like, a social experiment that we want to make observations about and comment on. What's incredible to me though is like, and I don't know if this is a Generation Z thing or what, 
But there is what they often do is they pick a couple people that they really, really like. And usually it's someone who who appears to be progressive. Like you don't talk politics on Big Brother. But you can kind of tell which mm-hmm. people are more liberal and progressive. Yeah. So yeah. they usually pick the people that are most progressive, as I admittedly do as well. But mm-hmm. like those people then can do no wrong. So if they do something, if they behave even on the live feeds in a way that contradicts what we thought of them beforehand, they will they will attribute characteristics to them that clearly don't exist. They'll be like, well, they did it because they're trying to, you know, they're trying mm-hmm. to like manipulate the game in this particular way when that's not what's happening at all. So they get super duper loyal huh. to people. Equally yeah. quickly, they can cancel a person. If a person makes oh, a yeah. mistake that's not, you know, that they feel is unforgivable, that person is yeah. gone. And it's really interesting yeah. to see, like, when these people come out of any, not just Big Brother, but out of any reality show, what happens to them in the aftermath? Because I think sometimes yeah. people behave like villains on reality shows to carve out their niche and to get noticed and to get airtime. Yeah. And that may not be compatible yeah. with who they are in the real world. They come into the real world. This is how people perceive them. And it can be pretty disastrous. Yeah. Yeah, because they know that if they come on one season and they stir the pot, cause the drama, production, of course, is going to ask them back. Mm -hmm. But if they go there and they're polite and enjoy their dinner instead of fighting, then what's the point of that? (laughs) Yeah. So can we talk about Golden Bachelor? Because this is, you know, to my memory, this is the first reality show series that really very intentionally targeted the older adult demographic. So did you get to watch it? What did you think of it? Okay, I'm so excited because I did not watch it. Of course, I saw little clips and I heard mm-hmm. from my grandma about certain people, but I'm so interested to hear from someone who didn't watch. I want to hear what you guys have I to almost, say. I almost asked you to bring Grandma Donna on today. I mean, oh. I would be a little fright. I'd be a little afraid to have her on the show, but yeah, I, I, I did want to hear her perceptions on Golden Bachelor um, because I just started watching it two nights ago as part of research. So can you tell us briefly, do you remember anything she had to say about the show? She just referred to one of the girls, and I won't say the word she used, but just how um, maybe flirty and inappropriate she was. And I remember being like, oh. Grandma, she's older. Like, she's experienced a, a lot of things. Like, I, yeah, I'm, I was like, I think, I think that sounds reasonable, her actions. And she's like, no, not on TV. So I don't, I don't know. All right. Jessica? Well... Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the bachelor series. I honestly think it's one of the worst versions of reality television. Um, I feel that I liked the first episode for this series where just getting the women, like introducing themselves, getting creative. Um, you know, I think they all did a really good job at trying to make themselves look unique. The, the hard thing that I have with the show is the time lapse in like, they say, oh, there's, we're two weeks in, we're three weeks in, but I want to know, is there any other interaction between the Golden Bachelor and these contestants off camera that we don't see? Because mm. I just don't think that their feelings are genuine. It's so artificial, mm-hmm. the way they mm-hmm. talk about him, the way they talk, like the way he talks, mm-hmm. like it's mm. just kind of sickeningly sweet. And it's like, oh, I can't. I yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I haven't watched The Bachelor since probably the first season. Um, and so what I did was I it's interesting because I, I had I knew in my head I was going to watch it before we did this podcast today. But I kind of kept delaying it because I just had other things I wanted to watch. Um, and so last night I watched the last two episodes and the night before that I watched the first two episodes. And I was kind of thinking I might like it, like because I'm the demographic, right? This is this. I'm the demographic that this was aimed at. Um, nobody would ever accuse me of being romantic. 
So perhaps mm-hmm. that has something to do with it, but I do love love and I love observing love. And so I really thought I would like it. I found him to be incredibly awkward and I sort of got the ick from day one with him. Yeah. It didn't, he didn't feel authentic. Not, the to Not at all. I got the ick. Um, he didn't feel authentic to me. And I also like to have the car pull up with all these older women who are like just a few years older than me. Like I don't, I, I would have been the youngest one yeah. on the show had I been on, I want to point out, but, <laughs> okay. but these women were not a lot older than me and to have them pull up and they're all screaming like junior high girls. That was a little, I was ins- almost insulted by that. <laughs> and then the way, so then they, they each introduce themselves to him and they want to do it in a memorable way. So like one woman had a yeah. basket of eggs because she has chickens and she started clucking. Um, the woman who actually okay. won his heart allegedly said she had her birthday suit on yeah. and she opened her coat and it was like a nude sort of like bodysuit or something. So that was okay. kind of oh, there were three. What? <laughs> What'd you say? Mitchell? You feel like because they're an older generation and maybe they haven't like kept up with like the trends of how they get out of the car and all that, that they then I don't know how they normally get out of the car because I don't watch the show, but I found it. It was cringy. It was really cringy. And then, so, so I don't know if you know this Mackenzie and I don't know if you know this Jessica, but after the show, I I don't know when the finale aired, but after the show was done, the Hollywood reporter um, dropped an article about Gary. Oh, Oh, so this is news. So, um, so as it turns out, Gary, there was a lot of misleading information. Oh, I think. Okay, keep going because I. So essentially, Gary had, Gary had made people think that he hadn't dated anybody since his wife had died, like what four or five years ago. He actually had dated someone long term and lived with her, and she huh? came forward. She, we don't know her name, so you know, it's it, it it's all you know, it's all like rumor in some ways, but she basically said that um, she thought he was a gold digger. She said in so many words. And she also said that he ultimately, when they broke up, she was supposed to go to her high school reunion. She had gained some weight and he told her he would not be seen in public with her with the weight gain. I think I did see this because there was something about uh, somebody claiming that he fat shamed them. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure with the context. I didn't read the article, but um, yeah. So that's... And he was supposed to be a restaurateur and he had not owned a restaurant since 1985. And he actually now like installs hot tubs and he's a handyman. So a little misleading about his occupation. So, so after I learned, you know, I learned that after I'd watched the finale, but during the finale, he was absolutely ready to pick this woman named Lynn. You know, he had in his private, like fantasy suite one night overnight with her. She thought she was the one. He made her think she was the one. He shifted when he had dinner with the other woman. Her name's escaping me. Uh, Teresa. Teresa. So Mm. he finally asked Teresa what she does for a living. Well, she's a day trader. So she has yeah. money and he seemed to like shift after that moment. And so I was already thinking, is this guy like after her money? And oh, then I read the that's... Hollywood Reporter article and I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. So. Wow. It, yeah, well, it, I did. So talking about like the connections and the, and the conversations they have off camera, Lynn did come out and say that it wasn't on TV, but she said when she was in that suite that Gary was like, I'm I've got plans for us. Like you know, stay tuned kind of thing, like guarantee, like almost like making it sound like she's the one. And then somehow he had some sort of change of heart. So it's just interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. And yeah, I could see that. So was was he changed his mind to go with the sugar mama? 
well, I don't know. I don't know what her financial situation is. I just wonder if he assumed she had money based on what she said. This is all speculation. This is a podcast of speculation. We don't have any inside information. Yeah. We don't have any receipts. We don't have any we receipts. Have no receipts whatsoever, except that here's, here's a bit of a receipt. So he was contacted to respond to the Hollywood Reporter article. And I'm paraphrasing here. Um, but basically yeah. what he said was, um, I don't know enough to to verify or deny whether or not this is true. Um, wh- what do you mean you don't know enough? It's your life. And second, and he said, and I'm just unhappy with the timing because everything's going very well in my relationship. So they are getting married on TV January 4th. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. Yes, yep. they are. So we'll have to tune in. <laughs> but so then I wonder with him talking about his credentials and then having the Hollywood reporter kind of really break down exactly who he is and what he's done. Is that also a part of like that bachelor facade? Like, did they curate? Okay, mm-hmm. let's take the high points from your life to make you sound appealing enough to put on TV and be the bachelor. So, because like I said, I just I don't think that there's a real reality to this show. Well, I would have thought they would have done a little better vetting with him. It, like, if he's presenting himself as someone who's been so <clears throat> heartbroken since his wife died unexpectedly, and I'm sure he was heartbroken. That's not. I'm sure that's authentic. Yeah. I don't mean to question that. But he was apparently dating a month later. And so to present yourself as someone who didn't date for years because you were so heartbroken, when I think some of these women who were on the show who lost their spouses, that was their story. that Mm -hmm. They hadn't dated because they'd been heartbroken. But I just, you know, like I said, I hadn't watched the show in a long time, but I just to watch this woman be rejected on national television and to be just, I, I just was like, this is for entertainment. This is awful. That's why I think it's sick. It's a sick show. Why does Grandma Donna watch this? She's sick. I don't know. She's all into it. But listen, that also reminds me, though, part of reality is like, why would someone go on a reality show knowing things are not necessarily the way they're presented and thinking that that's not going to come out? Right. Like, did he not think that the girlfriend of a long time would come out and right. say once he's right. getting all this fame? Right. Think, Oh, hey, I, uh, by the way, he's lying. That's not true. Do you know what I'm saying? I think sometimes things don't come out because they sign NDAs on the show. Like they sign non, they sign disclosure agreements. So I think sometimes you're able to keep secrets on a reality TV show, but it always yeah. cracks me up when I'm watching Survivor, Big Brother, whatever, where it's like people tell secrets and say, don't, I, you know, my mother will kill me if she finds out yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, they're going to air this. Like the, the stuff that they're actually yeah. going to oh, air, right. you're going to, that yeah. it's inc- well, incredible. And also too, like, Sometimes when I think like if you're not a great person, like if Gary is like really said these things and did these things to this woman, sometimes I think if it's so consistent in your life that you treat people this way, that sometimes those moments to you are insignificant versus the person who's on the receiving end. Right. So maybe he in his mind could very well be a gold digger, but he doesn't realize he's giving off gold digger vibes and some people pick up on that. Yeah. 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 I get that. I'm thinking more of like reality stars like Jin Shaw. Do you see Jin Shaw from Salt Lake City Housewife? She's in federal prison. Right. Because she was what money laundering or whatever. But like she's on a reality marketing scheme. Yeah, she was targeting the old people, the elderly people. But like, how do you or Teresa Judice from New Jersey and Joe, yeah. Show, knowing you got some things in your closet, it's going to come out. <laughs> right, right. I don't understand why criminals would go on a reality show. That doesn't make I don't it. really, but I like it. I like the <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
I mean, Teresa's probably most iconic moment was flipping the table, you know, and then later she went to jail and people forget that, but they remember her flipping the table. Yeah. And everybody loves her kids now, by the way. Her kids seem to be, I don't know. seems like it. So we don't have a whole lot of time left. We've really gotten into a lot of, um, but where we left off last time, I just want to remind us where we left off last time and kind of what we're looking forward to in terms of, of reality television. We were talking about Rachel thing. Rachel was Rachel from Vanderpump rules was sort of center um, stage last time we were together. Mm-hmm. Are we so going to talk about it for a second? Let's talk about it. What's happened to her since? Okay. She's on my nerves still. Okay. Did you got? I think we might have texted about it. Did you see she was on Bethany Frankel's? Yeah, podcast? right after we had our podcast, she was on. And what did she do? She blamed it all on production. Yeah. Oh, wait. Zero and responsibility. She, zero. And then mm-hmm. she released her podcast. Did you mm-hmm. see that? Yep. New podcast. And it, what, what's the title? Telling My Way or? Yeah, I don't, I didn't save it anywhere, it? but I did see that she was coming out with her own. Okay. I don't understand. Oh, this is it. Rachel going rogue. And it's all about telling her. Oh, it's here it is. Rachel Levis promises to tell my side of the story in a rogue podcast. Okay. I don't care how much of a role um, producers, how much she's going to say producers played a role. Honey, producers were not on your seven month affair with Tom Sandoval and doing all the things you were doing with him. Right. You can only blame production so long before you take that away. You look at your actions. There's no way you can shape that. Is she going to be back on the show or is she not? She didn't film, right? Not on the show, but she's going to have a podcast. And you know what? I'm going to watch it. I'm going to listen because I want to hear her crazy. I will say that I do think that she needs a paycheck a little bit from this, regardless of whether or not she's right or wrong. So hopefully it works. She saved the show. Yeah, she did save the show. (laughs) And I think next week there's some like there's some show that's like the last 10 years of Vanderpump Rules. How it's called like how we got here lies in deceit or something. So that's airing next week, I think December 10th or 11th. And then the show's back in January, right? Isn't it? Don't we get Vanderpump Rules back in January? Yeah, Yeah, but can we? also really quickly talk about how now the cast we talked about it on our last podcast how brutal they were at the reunion I mean they went hard on her and Judy you and I didn't we go back and forth and say yeah I was concerned for her health I was I Mm -hmm. was very concerned for her yes but at now now all of a sudden Lalan and who's the other one they're almost defending Yes, they're like defending Tom Sandoval. Like he's still showing up. He's still, you know, he's showing his face. Well, he's showing his face because he's a narcissist, not because he's. Well, he's also now an executive producer on the show, so he has to show his face. But they are, they are. They're saying like, okay, well, he's taken a beating enough. Like we're all moving on. So I'm curious to see how that unfolds. (laughs) You got the whole world in an uproar, and now you want us to calm down. Oh, okay. Well, now they had a yeah. long-term friendship with Tom. She was a relative newcomer, right? So I can see how, like, yeah. I, like I think too often the man somehow gets to get into, accepted back into the fold and the woman is the yeah. villain. Oh, absolutely. For sure. But in this case, it feels like they had a long-time friendship with him. So perhaps that's why he's... No, Judy, don't defend it. No, I'm no. not, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not defending. I'm under, trying to understand it. Trying to understand the no. behavior. It's I wacky, it's, Judy. It's just wacky. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just more like he's here. We might as well just, just yeah, accept I, him being here. 
but like when we see that they go on those cast trips and now with social media, which we talked yes. about on our last podcast, it's not like they're live streaming, like what you watch Judy with big, Bre- it's like, but we still get little like bits yep. and highlights. Yep. Yes. But then when you see them together, literally after watching the reunion, not literally, probably maybe a month later, and they're all at dinner someplace. And then it's like, how one do you flip it that fast? Well, we know for the TV show, but also bless Ariana's heart. Remember when she said, um, I won't be friends with anyone who's still in connection with him. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then learned at BravoCon that Sheena was in his room. Like, what? So Sheena and we, Tom are friends again. Sheena is friends with everybody. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is, she, is, is her daughter Ocean or is that Lala's daughter? That's, that's Lala's. Lala's. Okay. I saw a little. Summer Moon. Summer Moon. That's right. <laughs> oh, Summer Moon. Right. I saw a little video of Ocean yesterday opening. Have you seen this video where she's opening like her new bathing suit? Oh, no. Oh, dear God. Um, well, she's she's a little diva for sure. But Well, let's just yep. touch on a little thing that I was like very intrigued to see where it goes. Um, speaking of BravoCon and Lala, um, there was a little bit of a tidbit that she supposedly is dating Captain Jason from um, Below Deck Down Under. Lala? Yes. Yeah, like he put it out in the universe because he asked like they asked him who he who he's most attracted to, like a fellow Bravo celeb. And he said Lala. And then like somehow they're connected, but I'm kind of excited to see if that goes Inner somewhere. Show dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would not blame her. I would not blame her. And one more no. thing, we will need to talk about uh, Carl and Lindsay at some yes. point from Summer well, House. Summer House is also starting January, right? Yeah. That's January, February. Wait, Judy, do you watch Summer House? No, I only saw Summer House because w- wasn't it like promoted on Vanderpump Rules? And they yes, like interrupted they had some crossover. That's how they yeah, were, they yeah that's the only time I ever saw it. Are. Okay, well, we'll have to talk about it because talk about production being involved. Yep. Wait, really quick, Judy, do we have two minutes? Yeah, we got, we have talked so much about our shows. We didn't get to any of the cultural stuff, but that's okay. We can we can swing back to it next time. But because okay, I do want to I do want to ask one question, though, about like, go ahead, Mackenzie. And then I have one question before we close too. just really quick. OK, so this two couple that they've known each other, what, Jessica, forever. Yeah, like they start. They the had show- a friend foundation, like best friends. Who are these yeah. people? Oh. Carl and Lindsay. Oh, okay. Lindsay, who's Lindsay? From Summer House. Summer oh, House. Summer House. Okay. Yes. So, anyways, okay. So we're skipping a whole lot of history because they have a whole lot. So then they get engaged. Okay. Last season they were engaged. This season they stop filming. Okay, but they're getting married. What this uh, last month they were supposed to get married last yep. month. They stop filming. He stops talking to her for like a day. And then production comes the next day and he breaks up with her, the marriage, everything, the proposal on TV. And we're going to get to see it all. But like they went through a lot of the motions. Like I saw on Instagram, she had her bridal shower. I mean, she ended up going on her bachelorette, but with girlfriends because that broke like breakup happened before the bachelorette party. But I was like, I was shocked. What characteristics do you have to possess that make you want to have that in on national television? <laughs> yes. And that's what yeah, she exactly said. That. Like, total betrayal. Total betrayal. One, if he would have just broken off the engagement, that would be heartbreaking enough. But then to call production and say, hey, I got I'm gonna tell her something. You're gonna want to be here. And then for it to yep. be filmed. Yep. It's pretty so sick. everybody I mean, sees it. 
It's sick, but I'm dying to see it. We're all sick. Well, Judy, we- you're good at researching ratings. So I'm curious to see if maybe Summerhouse was on a dive. And I wonder if oh, like yeah. he's trying to save his. It wouldn't be hard to save find his out career. whether or not that was an effort to save the show. Yeah, a- absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and is he- Carl going to be an executive producer now, too? I mean, I would love to know all this. Well, <laughs> really know. quick. Did, did you see she's now dating uh, you got from uh, Real World, Johnny Bananas. Stop. I do know. <laughs> the challenge. Was he on the challenge? Oh, he's on the challenge all the time. He's one of the repeat yes, challenge people. He like, often wins. He's OG. I mean, yes, he's an OG. So all the crossover, I live for it. What's a, like original, original, oh, original. gangster. Okay. Like okay. The, yeah, him and Wes. <laughs> although Wes now oh, had a, has a baby, I think. So Wes is done, but... So um, the one thing I wanted to ask you all if you knew about was, um, and, and also I forgot to mention too, I'm also in the middle of Survivor, which is like my other favorite besides Big Brother, because as we discussed last time, I guess the network reality shows are the old people reality shows. So those are mine. Um, yeah. I do a little Bravo and a little MTV. But yep. um, one of the things like that's been really interesting to me is that, so Big Brother, when they're casting, part of the people on the cast are recruits, people that the production goes out and finds and brings onto the show, and others are applicants. And the audience much prefers, no surprise, the applicants to the recruits because the applicants are far more authentic, whereas the recruits are looking for five minutes of fame. But what's interesting to me is the ways in which they try to like hang on to those five minutes of fame after the show. So there's this one woman on the show. She was evicted week one. Her name's Riley. She was evicted week one. And she is literally constantly, she's on, she has cameo. She has, she charges like 50 bucks for cameos, which is not, wow, not outrageous, but it's not cheap. Um, she's constantly doing like Instagram lives and all this kind of stuff, you know, trying to stay relevant. And she was, she was kicked off that she was, or she was evicted from the show, but she was a pretty blonde woman. And so all the guys in the house attributed characteristics to her that were not real and they missed her and they kind of kept her legacy alive while she was for the next 16 weeks. So I think that's part of why we're seeing, seeing her. But one of the ways in which these, um, reality show characters continue to interact with their fans is TikTok battling. Have you seen this? TikTok battles? No. I've seen. Like, yeah. I'm just, I was, it was disgusting to me. Like, the, the person who won the show, he just won $750,000. He's already a super wealthy guy and he's battling on TikTok to get more money. But what is, like, what does yeah. the battle entail? So basically, Mackenzie, do you understand it? Could you explain it? Can you say more? Cause I just see so it's 80, basically. Like, yeah. So it, it, what it appears to be is like, say you and I were both reality stars, we'd be on TikTok interacting with our fans. And they're buying like emoticons that actually translate into money. And you're trying to make more money than the other person. So are they like a, like how they used to do duets where they're like side by side. So it's like happening in real time that they're both next to each other on a screen. They are. They are next to each other on a screen. And there's and these then, emoticons flying on the screen. And yeah. then what are they saying? And they're begging. They're begging for money. They're, they're just begging their fans for money. They're, you know, because oh you can God. see their comments coming up. It's, Listen, and people are giving the money is the problem. Well, right. Money. Like, don't hate the player, hate the game know, kind true. of thing. That's like, fair. I, That's fair. That's fair. Like, like, guys, let's all go on live and see who can get the most money. I mean, yeah. Grandma Donna might throw me a $5 <laughs> bill, but I mean, it is. I throw you a little money, Mackenzie. <laughs> yes, thank you. But really, I mean, if people are paying and people will, then have at it, honey. You do you. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I guess I was just sort of like, 
I mean, I mean, obviously, what this is generational. I was raised in a different generation, and the way in which you brought attention to yourself was very different than it is today. And I don't yes. think we had sort of the same need for attention, which I think is reflective of a much deeper issue, which maybe we can get into next time. But you know, what yeah. people do to stay relevant, what people do to get attention, mm-hmm. and I fear, you know, we were just having this conversation at work yesterday about artificial intelligence and how that's going to start to, you know, human beings. And livelihoods are going to be replaced by AI. Mm-hmm. Creativity is going to be so. And so, what are we going to be doing to stay relevant with the advent of AI? You know, that that's also another conversation. But yeah. we do need to wrap up because we're almost at noon, and our okay. ten listeners are probably you know ready to to go have lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so or watch Summer House. <laughs> or watch Summer House. Grandma Donna and Mary Jane probably have yes. things to do. Or uh, hey, can I go on live? <laughs> So, all right. So my hope is we can come, my thinking is we'll come together about every three months because that gives us a good chance to catch up on seasons. And so next time we will have Survivor will be concluded. Summer House will be over by March or in Mm, process by March. Yeah, probably close to. And we'll be in the middle of Vanderpump Rules. So we'll have a lot to talk about, but it was great to get together. I love talking about reality television with the two of you. And my thinking is, I know this time I said I was going to try to get a reality star on here. So I will try that next time. And I think we should consider someone who is older than me. And maybe, maybe we should have a conversation with Grandma Donna about possibly joining us. We would have to like censor her a little. Yeah, I'll just like a I was going to say, I'll need like a buzz button. Like, nope, can't say that. Nope, inappropriate. <laughs> I always say Donna Donna reminds me of Roseanne Barr before Roseanne lost it. Although, I mean, not that, <laughs> not that she ever had it together, but yes. yes. Exactly, exactly. Ooh. All right, so thank yeah. you both. Um, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Until then, have a great yeah. day, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This concludes today's podcast. We're always looking for new ideas, so feel free to reach out to Judy Raper, Associate Dean of Community Engagement at Greenfield Community College at 413-775-1819 if you have an idea you'd love to share. Special thanks to the creators of Backyard Oasis, Denise Schwartz, Chad Fuller, Dennis Lee, and Christine Copeland. Have a great day.